Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Starting Somewhere. I'm your host, Michael Watson, and before I introduce our first guest, I just want to give a little info about the podcast to anyone who might not know what this show is all about. I was incredibly lost during my time in undergrad, and it all stemmed from the fact that I had no idea what I wanted to do after graduation. Since finishing school a few years ago, I have been incredibly fortunate to find jobs in the campaign space that I have really enjoyed. Now, I'll be the first person to tell you that I still have no idea what I want to do five years from now, but I also feel incredibly lucky that I was able to figure out what I want to be doing, at least in the immediate future. So I wanted to start a podcast to help anyone who feels overwhelmed by options, unsure of where to start, or even just feeling like they're in a weird professional limbo. Every episode, you will hear from someone in the early stages of their working life to find out how they got to where they are, what they actually do every day, and just to get an honest look as to what your life might look like if you start out in that area. I'm so thrilled to introduce our guest today, Sean Manan. Since graduating from Miami University with a degree in business marketing, Sean has worked full-time as a core applications recruiter at Tech Systems. In just over a year, Sean has learned so much about the recruiting industry, what makes job applicants successful, and what hiring managers in the tech field are actually looking for. I really enjoyed talking to Sean. I learned so much about what it takes to be in recruiting and sales, how to stay organized for work. We talk about the importance of LinkedIn, and Sean goes really in-depth on what hiring managers for IT developers are looking for. I think that Everyone who is looking for a job, or at least could be soon, will be able to take something valuable away from our conversation, but especially anyone interested in business, sales, recruiting, or IT will be able to take a lot away from what Sean had to say. Heads up, Sean starts to get really technical and in-depth about what IT hiring managers are looking for around the 29-minute mark, just so you know. And last thing really quick... Please stick around for the follow-up after our interview here, where I will unpack some of what we said, explain any technical jargon used, and thank our sponsors. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Sean Manan. Sean Manan, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Michael Watson. It is a pleasure to be on the show today, and I'm happy to be here as well. Happy Friday. What a great day. I mean, it's Friday, so I don't know if you're going to drop this episode on a Friday, but if not, still, you know, we I have no idea. send some of these positive Friday vibes over to everyone. If someone's listening to this on a Monday, um, they can listen to this and feel happy because they're four days away, right? So Only good vibes here. Um <laughs> Well, hey, I want to start with college. So you attended Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. Was that mm -hmm. an easy decision to make, to choose to go to Miami? Um, I would say when I first, I mean, I grew up here in the Columbus, Ohio area. So we were definitely, um, we knew about Miami and a lot of students went there. Um, but I explored a lot of different options. I visited a lot of different colleges. And at the end of the day, um, after visiting Miami, I thought specifically that would be the best fit for me, uh, which is why I joined. I don't think it was an easy decision, but at the time, um, that is the college that I uh, like the most. So then when picking your major and you majored in business marketing, correct? That's yeah. what you ended up graduating yeah. in. Mm -hmm. Now, was that 
was that an easy decision? Did you go in um, interested in that? Had you always been interested in that, or was that something that you found along the way? I uh, first started my career in college um, going into business finance, um, and then after taking a couple of finance classes, marketing classes, you know, those uh, beginner level business courses, um, I realized that marketing was my favorite out of all of these subjects, so I decided to switch um, the business administration specialty to marketing. What was it about marketing that you liked so much? Um, well, number one, the exams were easier. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so marketing, uh, you, you mean, learn, <laughs> that's valid. Yeah. You learn a lot about, uh, how to win over the customer. Um, you know, more so it's, it allows you to be creative in the subject versus with finance. What I saw was you have to learn a lot of different formulas. You have to understand, be more analytical in terms of your thinking. And, uh, for me, marketing was just a better fit, but to each their own, right? Sure. So you so you had definitely been interested in business, but you loved that you could be creative in marketing, and that was just something that really wasn't offered in in the other areas, right? That is correct. I want to talk a little bit about, and I remember this because we're good friends. But you spent, tell me how long, but the first couple years of college as an equestrian minor on the equestrian team. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that? So I actually started by taking these beginner level equestrian courses and I really enjoyed them. So I went into intermediate levels as well. And um, it was a lot of fun. We learned Western, um, we learned English uh, in terms of the different, you know, types of horseback. And uh, that was just something neat, not something I, you know, when I was born in the country. So, you know, being able to go back to my roots and um, really experience, you know, horseback riding in college, which I know sounds like something that most people probably don't do, but it was something that was presented to me as an opportunity, something new, and I took it and don't regret it one bit. Lots of fun. Do you think that it's important or was it really important for you specifically in college to try to branch out and try new things? Absolutely. In college, that's the time to try new things uh, when you're at that age. And I mean, not just in college, but all of your 20s, even if you are, decide not to go and you want to start your career uh, right out of high school, I think the best uh, thing to do is, you know, experience different things, try out new things, because you don't know what you're going to like unless you try something new. So meet as many people as possible, talk to as many people as possible that do different things and um, go from there. I mean, your 20s are, are the time to really um, test the waters, see what's going on. Sure. Yeah. So looking back on it now, is there anything that you did in college that stands out to you as having a you know significant impact on what you do today, how you work, anything like that? Mm -hmm. So a little bit of background, what I do today now, I'm an IT recruiter. Uh, specifically in core applications. And what that is, is back and front end developers, architects, anyone that's technical that creates um, applications. So applications, that's that's elongated version for apps. So any of your apps on your phone, um, other applications online, um, and I recruit for that. But the best thing that I did for myself in terms of uh, career readiness and career preparation, which I didn't know at the time was really just talking to different people and the people you meet and, and the network that you build while you're in college or, you know, you don't even have to be in college to do that. Um, you can be anywhere. Just a building, building a network, going out, uh, meeting new people. That was something what, what, now that I'm taking the sales path that really helped me 
because that opened my eyes to being able to talk to a lot of different people, um, but also understanding how to create value um, in in different people's lives and what what people are looking for and how to drive sales in regards to that. So, last question that I want to ask about college. Um, I know that you spent one summer going door to door. Can you talk a little bit about that experience? Absolutely. I'd love to talk about that experience. Talk about it. Would I want to go through it again? I'm not sure. (laughs) But one summer I did do an internship for Credico. And what they are, they're a large direct marketing company. They're based headquartered in Chicago. And um, they have a lot of different offices that are rebranded across the country. Um, And our specific office was in Columbus. We spent about a week or two in New York City as well, um, doing some of their direct marketing too. But the project was for direct energy. And um, what Credico does is they partner with um, different companies that want direct marketing services. And direct marketing includes face-to-face sales, which is door-to-door sales. Um, That really opened my eyes to really being able to, I mean, walking up to somebody's home um, when they're not, you know, we have nothing scheduled and just having a couple seconds to garner their attention and, and create a sale. That's some of the most, you know, cutthroat thing you can do. But at the end of the day, that out of all of my, you know, work experiences I've had through my life, um, it definitely gave me the most insight and gave me the most um, uh, training, per se, or real world training in terms of sales. So I thought it was very helpful. Yeah, I mean, I have also had to go door to door a lot for work. And um I don't I don't know if there's anything that prepares you better to talk to people than just showing up to people's homes unannounced um, about something that only you want to talk about. <laughs> it's something that they have typically no right. interest in. Um, yeah, that's a crash course in people. Oh, definitely. 100%. 100%. So can you tell us how you found your way into what you're doing now? I explored a lot of different, you know, jobs at a lot of different companies, but I, uh, you know, went to the career fair at Miami. Um the tech systems was one of the companies that was there and um that just uh the company culture and I aligned after the half day and I interviewed at a lot of different places as well I mean I kept my options open because I wasn't dead set on wanting to work somewhere or doing something in uh, super particular so um so I just gave it a shot and did the half day and it ended up being a good fit can you walk us through what your you know average day looks like Absolutely. So average day as a core applications recruiter, what my job is essentially is just networking and building relationships with individuals just across the IT industry, um, specifically, like I explained before, in the core application um, sector, uh, whether that includes developers, architects, you know, cloud experts, data analysts, data scientists. Uh, my day-to-day um, is all about being on the phone, making those calls, not only keeping up with my, the current network that I have, but also working to expand my network. And uh, the company that I work for, uh, we partner with large and medium-sized enterprises to meet their growing IT needs. So not only do we do staffing solutions, but we also offer services. Um, so my job is to, again, just reiterate uh, what is so important Uh, making sure that you stay in touch with your current network because a lot of people in sales forget that they're all about growth they want to add new people to your network but you can't grow unless you you know make sure that your current network is being communicated to you touch base with them on a week-to-week basis Um, and if they aren't looking for a role or if they're not you know a customer 
or won't be a customer for at least six months, I mean, we want to still um, at least talk to them once a month. I think that's a great habit to have. Um, so having those calls with people in my current network, as well as cr uh, creating new calls and call sheets um, to grow my network, that is usually what my day revolves around on a daily basis. Let's just start, though. Give me the logistics. Like, when are you getting up? When does your day typically start? What are you doing throughout the day? When do you finish? G give me all the detail. I'm, I'm, I'm personally, you know, I'll just put this out there. I'm not a morning person. So I wake up 6.30 every morning if I need to go back in the office, which post-COVID we are uh, starting to go back into the office. I wake up at 6.30, take a shower. I don't eat breakfast, believe it or not. Uh, I either drink a Bang Energy or a Nitro Cold Brew from Starbucks uh, to get that going. Um, and then I... Is that an endorsement? Uh, I, I'm not going to say it's an endorsement, but... Um, okay. Actually, okay, whatever. It is an endorsement. I absolutely love a Nitro Cold Brew. Starbucks with sweet cream and also bang energy. I mean, you can't go wrong with cotton candy flavor. So that's what I start the day off with. And then from there, um, go into the office and I start making calls. I make sure my email's organized. Um, that's another big tip that I have always, you know, put your emails into folders. Uh, you never want to use your inbox as a task manager. Uh, make sure all those emails are in folders. And that's something that everyone needs to work on. Sometimes I get behind on that too. Uh, just simple organizational things. Um, some of the, sometimes the small things, um, are what's most important because you can't move forward with those big things if you don't keep those small things in line, like keeping things organized, having an operating rhythm, making sure you have call sheets or calls ready to go. You know who you're going to be contacting that day. You have a plan ready. Um, so I try to walk into each day having a plan, knowing what I'm going to do ahead of time. So, um, when I complete those, I have, you know, a plan B or B time material, things that I can do when I'm free after I've completed all the necessary items for my day. About what time do you finish working every day? Uh, 5.36. And then usually when I get back home, if, if I have some more downtime, I, I go through my emails, make sure that's organized, send out some messages. Would you say that being a recruiter is the type of job to where you're, and not always, but somewhat kind of always on call in that, you know, because you're dealing with people who are just looking for a job, you know, um, these are people that are probably going to be asking things of you at any time of the day. Would you say that that happens? Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to just be calls all the time. Um, I'm pretty open in terms of communication. Some people like to email more. Some people like to text more. Um, some of the people that I work with really like to set up their calls and, you know, they don't have time during the day just for me to give them a call out of the blue in the afternoon. So, you know, I let them send me a calendar invite and we have something scheduled. But in terms of communication, con consistent communication doesn't necessarily have to be calls. It can even be lunches, um, going out with uh, people in your network. I think face-to-face -face communication is super important, whether it's a Zoom meeting, a WebEx, Microsoft Teams. It's all about just making sure you're talking to the people in your network and also growing that day to day. Okay, so that's you've talked a couple times about the difference between growing that network of people that you work with and maintaining those relationships. Would you say that one takes priority over the other or do you try to work on both of them equally? I think they're equally important. Like, you know, if you have so far 10 people in your network, you're trying to grow your network, you're trying to build it. Um, if you don't stay in contact with the 10 people in your network and you add an 11th, you'll still be at 10 because one's probably going to drop off, right? 
while at the same time, if you have 10 people in your network, you continually and constantly talk to them, but you don't um, think of ways or strategies to grow your network, you're going to stay at 10 as well. So growth as well as maintenance of your current network is extremely important. Uh, both of them are equally important, I would say. How do you define success as a recruiter? Quite the loaded question, Michael. Uh, <laughs> I would, um, there's, at the end of the day, um, you know, everyone's goal should be to be a top producer, right? When, especially when you're working for a corporation that's for profit. At an enterprise level, you want to make sure that you are producing and making money uh, for the company that you work for. But at the same time, um, what defines a good recruiter, I would say, are two things. Number one, knowing how to fail and fail fast, um, because you're not going to get anywhere in life without making those mistakes. So being willing to make mistakes and, and putting your yourself out there, uh, willing to make those calls to pick up the phone, that number one, I would say that quality of being fearless and getting after it would be the first most important quality. Um, in my opinion, for a recruiter. And the second one is having a positive mindset because a lot of times you're going to have days where you don't want to do your job. I mean, you're, you're, you're tired of trying to build your network. You're tired of talking to the same people within your network and un being unable to find new people um, for, you know, whether you're in sales, whether you're in software sales, logistics, um, recruiting, or, um, you know, services within the staffing industry. No matter where you're in, at the end of the day, you still need to make sure you maintain that positive attitude because your attitude is everything. So the two things I would say is being fearless as well as your attitude are the two most important things. I feel like I could ask that question to someone else in recruiting and they could probably just stop at being a high producer, making sure that you have a lot of placements, maximizing your spread, all that good stuff. Now, because I know you, I know that when you started, uh, as a recruiter, you were really successful really fast in terms of placing people, getting placements into jobs and whatnot. How has that early success shaped the way that you view the job today? Has that changed anything for you? I know it takes, you know, when you say early success, some people, you know, when they when they first jump into sales, whether it's, you know, sales recruiting, any type of sales, they uh, some people do really well quickly, but then they can't maintain that momentum because they don't keep up with the small things. And when when customers start falling off, um, that's a problem, right? Um, so I wouldn't say I mean early success in my career definitely um, gave me more confidence um, in the beginning. But at the same time, I don't want to tie my confidence or my value to just the early success. But I always remind myself, you know. Make sure that you're putting 110, you know, 200% effort in each day, because at the end of the day, the actions that you you make are going to build that future success and, and being able to make sure you're doing the right things each day. I mean, everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing for their job, right? You get a list of requirements. You understand what, what the job description is. You get that even before you receive the role. So uh, if you if you're making sure that you're doing everything um, each day that you possibly can, making sure you're putting in the hours, even if you know there's a couple extra hours each day. If you're not seeing early success, I wouldn't say that it's the end of the wor world, um, because a lot of times, sometimes it just comes down to luck. Getting you know your first your first sale or that first uh, you know big customer, wrapping that up. Sometimes it takes longer um, than others. Um, so it takes time, but uh, I wouldn't put you know early success as as something that impacted me as much as just doing my routine each day. Well, it almost sounds like you kind of figured out 
somewhat early on that because when you work a job that's dependent on a lot of things that are outside of your control, while it's easy to be very outcome driven and focus on results, because there are so many things that are completely out of your control, the only thing that you can actually count on is your own effort and understanding that you personally did the best that you can because everything else to a certain extent is just completely out of your control. So whether you have, you know, 10 people placed in a job or not, if every day you end the day knowing that, you know, you did everything that you could, that's something that you can actually be, you know, confident about and happy about. Would you agree with that? Right. I would 100% agree with that. Um, people always say, right, uh, control what you can control and, and good things will happen. I'm, I'm a big believer in that. You know, if you're not seeing success early within your career, um, just control what you can control and make sure you're doing the best in terms of, let's say you have to make 100 calls a day in order to find, um, you know, and 10% of them can be potential customers. As long as you're making those 100 calls a day, you're eventually going to see that success, right? Because it, it is at the end, sales is all about the numbers. It's a numbers game. If you, especially with door to door, I mean, if you have 400 doors to hit, um, and, and you know your success rate is, let's say, 5%. If you hit less than the doors that you're supposed to, you're doing yourself a disservice because that next door that you should have hit, um, if you had hit that, um, it could have ended up being that specific, quote unquote, sale. Um, so making sure that you hit your numbers, I would say, is the most important thing. Just doing what you can do at the time and controlling what you can control. Yeah, I think that's good advice for, honestly, any job. So do you think that there's anything that helps recruiters stand out from other recruiters? Like what separates a good recruiter from a great recruiter in, in your experience so far? So when it comes to recruiting and when it comes to sales, uh, my my thing, what I've learned just working in the industry, uh, the staffing and services industry within information technology, um, everyone has their own operating rhythm and different people sell in different ways. Uh, that works for them. So what works for me when I'm making my uh, a cold call or a warm call on the phone and I'm talking to a potential customer uh, may not work for somebody else. So my advice is to when you're starting off a career early on uh, sh to shadow, to ask as many customers uh, questions, excuse me, as you can to um, the more senior people within your office, um, to the people that are more experienced, because what, what you'll notice is the top producers, when it comes to sales and recruiting, all of them do things just a little bit differently. But there are some things that um, are consistent, and those things would be, number one, they've got a positive attitude. Number two, uh, they always maintain their network. And number three, they're willing to grow their network. So those three things, I would say, are key to being successful, uh, whether it's a salesperson or a recruiter. And just when you're starting off your career, making sure you're making those connections, uh, asking as many questions as possible and making sure that you're spending your time with senior resources so you pick up and learn from them. Well, that's great. Those are just good action items, you know, just for, for anyone interested. So I would love to talk to you about LinkedIn. I know that that's where you spend most of your time during the day. Would you say that that's where you find, I know that you mentioned, you know, you spend most of the day reaching out to people and calling people specifically when you're trying to grow your network. Would you say that most of those people come from LinkedIn? Um, I would say yes. Most of them, uh, well, I, I wouldn't say most. I would say it's an equal amount uh, from LinkedIn as well as Salesforce. So we use Salesforce as our platform to track, um, to, you know, uh, record updates for specific customers, clients, 
etc within salesforce as an organizational tool um, and also you can find talent and find potential customers on salesforce as well so we use both linkedin um, they have a premium uh, recruiter professional services version as well as uh, salesforce so for anyone listening that might not have a linkedin account or maybe someone that has one but you know, they, they set it up once with an email and then they have not touched it since. Can you just touch a little bit on what you think the biggest, you know, what are the biggest advantages of keeping up somewhat with a LinkedIn account? Absolutely. So I think everyone should have a LinkedIn. I think it's a great way, especially in the digital age that we are now. Uh, it's 2021. Um, everyone, essentially everyone that I know, almost everyone has either a Facebook, an Instagram, a Twitter, I mean, different types of social media. All LinkedIn is, is a networking tool, and it's a great networking tool. Um, I don't work for LinkedIn. LinkedIn didn't pay me to say this, but um, it's a great way um, in order to, you know, whether you're finding a job, whether you're in a current job and you just want to network, meet new people within your community, um, it's a great way just to grow your network and continue to maintain your network. I use it a lot as a communication tool as well. Someone doesn't pick up a phone, just sending a quick LinkedIn message um, is another communication tool. So I would say everyone should have a LinkedIn, no matter which industry you're working in. Um, I've seen many different people, whether they're in, um, you know, investment banking or, um, you know, software sales or even within like the legal field. Everyone has a place within LinkedIn, no matter what your job is. And if you're willing to grow your network and you want to grow your network, um, I would say that is the place to do so. Great. Yeah. No, I just want to echo that, that um, definitely everyone at the base level of just being able to maintain all of the you know possible work connections that you have in a place that's not your Twitter account or Instagram, I think is just you know, hugely helpful. And if LinkedIn wants to sponsor us just so that we can up the quality of this podcast, I, I think that could also, you know, be great. What do you say that you have any pet peeves as a recruiter? I would say the one thing that I see in certain, you know, candidates or customers that I talk to uh, a sense of urgency. Um, the, the, be the best piece of advice I can offer um, anyone that's looking for a new role that, that wants to transition in their career, wants to go into something new, having a sense of urgency and making sure that you um, talk to whether it's a hiring manager in an interview or a recruiter when you first meet them, uh, making sure that you really express to them that you want the role that you're um, applying for, expressing interest in what you do, making sure that they have a sense of urgency, giving them a timeline when you, your target date is and when you want that specific role. All of those things are very open and when a recruiter has more of a sense of urgency or he or she wants a role more than you do and you're the candidate or, you know, looking for a specific role, um, that doesn't paint the best picture. So I would say that is one piece of advice I have for um, people that are on the job market currently. What has been your biggest surprise since starting to work full time? I would say the, the biggest surprise is um, when it comes to work culture or workplace culture. You know, whether you're friends with your, your coworkers or not, um, workplace culture is not something that was talked about extensively when I was in college or when I was looking for a role. That's not something that I researched, but it's something that's so important because at the end of the day, when you're going into a career, you want to be able to enjoy the time that's spent in the office with your coworkers, whether it's with your team, whether it's with your team lead, you want to be able to have an enjoyable work environment so you can be the most productive and the most efficient that you can be. 
So um, making sure that you fit in with the work culture prior to making the commitment to join an office and joining a work environment is extraordinarily important. And that's something that I didn't know um, before joining um, a company. So, Right. Yeah, I feel like that typically one of the most overlooked things just because people focus on the title people focus on the or they try to focus on the day-to-day you know the location but ultimately you're going to be spending most of the time with the people in your office right so if you're not going to be able to get along with them Mm -hmm. then it doesn't matter how much they're paying you it doesn't matter where you're at that's going to be a really tough go that's going to be a really tough uh really tough time absolutely and um Another piece of advice for anyone that's looking for a current job, I always tell my candidates before an interview, um, interviewers or hiring managers, at the end of the day, everyone's a human being, right? People want to work with people that um, they would want to work with. It's, it's as simple as that. So when you're going into an interview, first step, you want to um, you know, have some small talk with that hiring manager, get to know them. Or even if it's a team that's interviewing you, ask them a couple questions that are outside of the topic that you're interviewing in just to get to know them a little bit. Because at the end of the day, humans, they want to be able to work with people that they want to spend time with. And no matter what your te- technical abilities are, what how qualified you are for a specific role, if they don't feel like you know they want to spend eight, nine, ten hours a day with you, uh, they're not. they're probably not going to hire you. So having soft skills um, along with your technical skills, I would say are equally important. So now just to get a little bit more specific, so you recruit people for IT jobs, specifically, you know, in the Midwest, in Ohio. I know that the IT field uh, is obviously very, very broad, and there are a lot of different things that people are looking for, and that's also location specific. So just on your experience, would you say that there is... or are there any common things that it seems like all hiring managers that you work with are looking for? Broadly speaking about the information technology industry in within the United States, I would say two trends that we've noticed uh, coming in early on into this new year, 2021. Um, and I mean, it's already mid-April, so it's been flying by. But um, I would say the two trends that we've seen is number one, cloud exposure or cloud experience, whether that's a cloud migration you worked on in a project. Um, Most of the job requirements that we see are the roles that are new that are coming out onto the market. They are listing, you know, working in a cloud environment or, you know, an enterprise level company that included a cloud migration into your experience as something that's important. That's something that they're looking for. Uh, And when when I say cloud broadly, they don't specify whether you need to have, you know, AWS cloud, Google Cloud Platform or Azure experience, it's uh, it's any cloud experience is good. So that's a tip that I would have if you're a software developer just starting off in your career um, and you want to know what else to uh, or new technologies to start learning, just gaining exposure for cloud, um, whether that's a certificate that you can put a badge on your LinkedIn profile, whether it's that or just gaining real world knowledge, talking to your friends about cloud, um, taking some of those hacker ranks online. Those that's something that um, I would say would be valuable to your profile as a candidate or as a job seeker. Second thing that I see um, is new technologies or new languages that are coming out. Um, a lot of these, I work predominantly within Java technologies, um, as well as Microsoft technologies, including um, ASP.NET. And what I've noticed is backend technologies or backend software engineer roles being paired with some of those front end technologies like Angular having a full stack knowledge of 
not only just backend but front-end technologies as well if you're a predominantly back-end developer is extremely important or if you're a front-end developer knowing some of those back-end technologies if, if you know javascript html css really well but you also have a good understanding of java as a language you're going to excel more so being so no i mean people listening to this might think oh this guy is just giving us you know just telling us to learn more technologies which in some part is true yes the more technologies to know uh you know the more sellable your profile is going to be um but what specifically i'm asking or the advice that i'm providing is if you are a let's say predominantly back-end developer or whether you are a predominantly front-end developer knowing the opposite side of the coin and knowing technologies that are uh, whether you're front end back end it's extremely important and being able to, to to let hiring managers know hey even though i might be a java developer i can do some of these front end skills that's unbeatable and i think that's something that's very sellable to specific uh customers which whether those be enterprise you know companies or hiring managers um i think that's that's very valuable so wow thank you i feel like someone either found that really beneficial or someone just fast forwarded through all of that i don't think there's an in-between with with how detailed that answer there is no in-between <laughs> hey and i i will not blame you if you if you're not within the information technology industry just fast forward through that because <laughs> probably won't make much sense i know over a year ago when i wasn't in this role it would make no sense to me and i would have fast forwarded through it so feel free to hit that button no i love it let's get in the weeds so Final four questions. This is something that I'm going to start doing. Maybe I'll add some music to this. I'm not sure. But final four questions, and then I will let you go because I have already taken up enough of your time. First question, what did you want to be when you were little? When I was little, uh, I was a very big fan of Indiana Jones. I wanted to be an archaeologist, hands down. Absolutely loved history class, social studies, learning about different cultures across the world. I was dead set on just, you know, essentially just staying in a PJ my entire life, just flying around a jet, different countries, being able to go into different cultures and learning about them, digging up rocks. I had a rock collection. I loved Indiana Jones. I wanted to be an archaeologist when I was a kid. Wow. I had absolutely no idea. When did that fall apart? <laughs> when did that, when did you say, yeah, um, not so much? I think it fell apart. So when I finished up high school in 2015, that is when the movie Wolf of Wall Street came out. And, oh, and I remember when, uh, you know, our generation was impacted so much by that movie. I, I, I know large, large quantities of young men our age saw that movie and immediately thought, I want to go into finance. I'm going to go into business, right? Because I want to make a lot of money. So that's, that's, that's essentially where my head was at. And that's why uh, initially I went into finance um, before gaining a passion in marketing. Three and a half hours of just crimes. And you said, yep. I think I found it. <laughs> That's the one. Uh, okay. Uh, best job you've ever had? The best job I've ever had. Honestly, uh, the most I would I wouldn't say best job, but I would say most enjoyable or fun job was working in a kitchen environment. Um, I'm not going to say which restaurant I worked at, but while I was in college for one semester, I worked at a nice Italian restaurant, planning their food, making it you know beautiful on a plate before it you know, ends up on the table in front of the customer. And let me tell you, working in a kitchen environment was by far the most interesting, fun experience I ever had. It's different. Yeah. I, I, I cooked through college and that's, uh, that's its own world. That's its completely it own, its own thing. World. All right. What is your dream job? 
Retirement. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, dream job. You know what? Honestly, Michael, and you know, I'm not ashamed to say this. I, I really don't know yet. I mean, what I want my dream job to be currently, uh, right now, I would probably say, you know, working up the ladder in sales or the corporate environment, eventually becoming an executive or a C-suite executive um, is, is what my dream is now. But in terms of details, what industry I want to work in or continue to work in, um, is unknown to me at this time. And I think over life, uh, you just, as you gain more experiences in life, you talk to different people, um, you learn more every single day. And today I might want to be a C-suite executive in, in 40 years, but tomorrow it might change after I talk to somebody that's, you know, influential or knowledgeable about that specific career path. Um, so I'm not a hundred percent sure yet, but right now we'll just say, uh, you know, C-suite executive. Sure. Yeah. I like that. That's a great answer. Okay. Last question. What is one thing work-wise that you would love to accomplish in the next year? That's a great question, Michael. Um, what I would say is, so I not only have, you know, professional goals for work, but I also have personal goals for work. And before I dive into what my professional goals are, number one, I'd like to say, great question. Number two, I'd like to say why that's a great question. And um, it's a great question. Because I think the most important part of goals and goal setting not only is just to write down your goals and to put a timeline on your goals, but is to also share your goals with your friends, with your network, with your family. Because when you share your goals, that builds accountability and that holds you accountable. I've noticed when I tell people or my friends, hey, Michael, my goal is to hit my numbers this year in terms of, and I'm not going to say specific numbers, but what my, what my, my goals are for my sales numbers, what those are and sharing them with a couple of my friends. Um, they remind me from time to time, Hey, Sean, now how, how far are you in, in terms of hitting your goal? And that is extremely helpful. Um, having those reminders, real life reminders in real life, real time, um, is helpful in achieving your goals. And I think that's something everyone should do. What's the answer the question though? What's your professional goal? What's the thing that you want to do? What is one thing specifically at work that you feel like you need to do within the next year? Lots of, oh, so many professional goals. I don't even know where to start. I need to continue to do what I'm already doing and not let up on that. But one thing that new that I could do in, in my work is I've noticed that sometimes, you know, once you have your circle of friends in, in your office, you stick to that specific circle, you get to know them better, and um, you go out with them, have fun with them. Um, but uh, a goal I have professionally of mine is to just branch out in the office, get to know other people, um, really, you know, go to lunch with, with different people that I might not be usually going to lunch with. Uh, getting to know different people in your office is... Uh, very important. And I think that's something that I should definitely work on this year. Excellent. Well, uh, I'm going to hold you to that. Everyone listening to the podcast, all three of us will also be holding you to that. And Sean Manon, thank you so much for being our first guest. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Michael Watson, for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I'd also like to encourage, I mean, anyone, you know, after listening to this podcast, if you have specific questions, if you want to go into the you know, information technology industry, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, very easy, Sean Manon. Um, check me out and um, send me a DM, a LinkedIn message. I'd be more than willing to help uh, moving forward. So thanks so much, Michael, again, for your time. It was a uh, great 
hour just discussing some of the uh the the tips that you had so thanks again i'm looking forward to doing this again soon all right i'll talk to you later thank you so much welcome to the follow-up i want to thank our guest Sean Manon, again, for being on the podcast today and for giving us some insight into the recruiting industry, IT field, and for offering up some job hunting tips as well. I think the part that really resonated with me was when he talked about how he viewed success at his job. And I know that at least in every job that I've had, I feel like I've gone through the same cycle of focusing a lot on the expectations of my bosses or just the people above me, you know, when I'm first starting out, because I don't want them to regret their decision for hiring me. Then I typically undergo a lot of stress and anxiety to make things happen and meet goals, which are almost always set out of reach on purpose. I've worked as a cashier. I've sold sunglasses. I've been a field organizer on a presidential campaign. And every time I have had bosses give me goals that are basically impossible for the sole purpose of trying to not have anyone become content. So then I eventually realize that and find comfort in the fact that ultimately my self-esteem at work has to come from a recognition of my effort because otherwise I'm just on this roller coaster the whole time. So, I mean, that's something I'm definitely still working on, but it's something that I think anyone can make sure they're doing themselves. When you're doing something, school, work, a hobby, it really doesn't matter, but ask yourself, are you finding joy from the specific outcomes of that thing? Or do you just enjoy the ability to do that thing regardless of what comes from it? I mean, this is typically the difference between a job and a hobby, right? Things that you do because you enjoy doing them and things that you do because it should lead to something else and then that thing should make you happy. Now, I mean, there's obviously a lot of nuance here because, of course, positive outcomes will always make us feel happier than the alternative. And if you do something over and over again and you see strong negative results, it might be time to rethink your approach there. But what I'm saying is that when you tie your self-esteem to the outcome instead of the process itself, you are then leaving your self-esteem vulnerable to countless influences outside of your own control. Well, I'd love to hear what you connected with from our interview, so please reach out on Instagram at StartingSomewherePod or Twitter at, at @startingpod. Also, I know that there were some moments when Sean used a lot of recruiter talk, so I wanted to clear as much of that up as possible. Um, early on in the interview, Sean talks about separating his email into folders um, and to not have your inbox be your task manager. All he's saying there is that in Outlook or Gmail, you can add specific email addresses or topics into different folders so that when you open your inbox, you aren't having to sort through everything in one long feed, but you know where everything is specifically so that you don't waste time or miss anything. This is absolutely something that I need to start doing. Another thing that Sean mentioned were cold calls and warm calls. So you might have heard of cold calling, but that just means you're calling people who you don't know and really who aren't expecting a call from you. So in Sean's example, this would be someone he has no or almost zero relationship with, 
but he thinks that they could be a good fit for something, so then he would call them in hopes that that thing could happen. It's the same thing in campaigns, you know, phone banking, going through a call sheet, and almost every time that you're doing that, you're just cold calling people that you think might be a good fit for the cause that you're calling on behalf of. So then warm calls are just people that you already have some type of connection to or relationship with, and you are either trying to maintain that connection or you're trying to advance it in some way, like setting them up for a new interview, or if you're in sales, it would be, you know, trying to sell them something again. Like Sean said, feel free to reach out to him on any social media platform, but especially look for him on LinkedIn. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors. Thank you to the Crystal Casino Band for letting us use their amazing song, Luck, as music for the show. If you like that song, go check out more of them on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to your music. I'd also like to thank the Liability on the Mic podcast, which is hosted by Liz Evans and Carmen Kerrigan. Liability on the Mic features the rock-solid, grounded-in-reality musings of two Midwestern Gen Z millennial cusp queens. Check out Liability on the Mic wherever you get your podcasts. And then one last thing before we wrap up here is I have a favor to ask of you. If you thought of anyone while listening to this episode because they're in school to do this or you just think that they would find it interesting, please send a link to this podcast to them. The goal here is to help as many different people as possible learn about as many different careers and paths as possible. So if you would like to help that mission, I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Ooh,